Hello, everyone, and Sorry. welcome to another <laughs> episode Ruins. of Ruminations of Red Rum, the horror podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle, with a K. Thank you for joining us. Today with me, we have the Skirpin Burpin, Hot and Trotting, Stretchy, I got nothing, Mr. Fantastic himself, Brendan Jesus. How you doing? I'm good. I uh, bought a pair of fleece joggers on Friday, and they are the warmest, comfiest pants that I think I've ever owned. And I accidentally I I bought the wrong size, and it makes my ass look juicy. Mm. So, in the words of Frank Reynolds, it makes your ass breathe. <laughs> um, also, that snickering little evil laugh that you heard um, is Ian. With two E's. Two E's. Still Ghost of Ian. We still sick out here. Let's go, baby. What was funny about Brennan's description of his new pants? I, I just like how this is the sort of thing that we bring up on a podcast. <laughs> I bought a new pair of joggers last Saturday. Uh, like, <laughs> I mean, the audience wants to know uh, our fit, right? That's what the kids say. Oh. Our fit, our drip. Yep. Is it our trip? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Is it, it? It's our trip. So people want to know Brennan's it's drip. Our trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But um, how you doing, Ian? Oh, well, now I feel like I'm in a room full of boomers. So um, doing fine, I guess. Pretty good. Yeah, you're technically Brennan. a millennial. Yeah, no. he is. Yeah, yeah. The ninety nine is the cutoff. Right? I'm a zoomer. Ninety nine is the cutoff. The so the cutoff. It's different on like every website on the internet. It's from like ninety six to like ninety seven is usually the the consensus where it cuts off. Google, which is always right, says nineteen ninety six is the cutoff. Oh, okay. Sorry, I stand corrected. Yeah. So, so we are millennials. I'm a zoomer. He's a zoomer. Um, Brendan, do you have any wrecks for us this week? Your weekly wreck, 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 wreck. Yes, uh, I'm going to go back on what I said last episode and change my tentative recommendation of Dying Light 2 to a thumbs-up recommendation. Um, I have gotten, again, the story is still hot garbage, uh, but the, and I I know my big complaint was the unbalanced uh, combat, the parkour is top-notch, but the combat, once you are able to start upgrading your skill tree, uh, once you get, you know, level two and three and four weapons once you start getting uh more gloves hats you know apparel and all that stuff that give you more buffs it becomes a lot more balanced and a lot more fun so you were bad and you got good at the game is that what you're saying no the game was unbalanced and i leveled up to become balanced fair enough fair enough i played i'm not not falling for your bait i'm not falling for it (laughs) Not today. <laughs> Hashtag get good. Ian, do you have any weekly recs for us today? Absolutely. I am loving a new manga series that I'm reading right now. It's called Doro Hidoro. It's, um, if you're a horror fan, I highly, highly suggest it. It's uh, very unique. The story, um, or the, the world is very rich. Um, and it's, it's funny. It's, it's got a lot of horror, some dark humor, um, the drawings are, it, it can turn people off. I can see how it would turn people off, but it's very, it's like detailed trash, but it's so good in a way, you know, I'm, I just, I just, I'm loving it. Very cool. Doro Hidora. And it also has an anime, uh, like, uh, has like one season of an anime on Netflix. Is there anything that you can compare it to? Um, That's maybe more mainstream that people have seen. No, honestly, no. It's it's very. I'd say it's very unique. The world. It's a. It's about um, uh, two worlds. One where sorcerers live. One where humans live. The sorcerers come into the human world to uh, experiment on them. Uh, the main character was an experiment. Uh, he is no longer uh, susceptible to sorcerer magic. And he's trying to figure out why. And there's like a bunch of other things that are happening to him. And it's uh, people are hunting him down. And it's uh, it's good. It's great. It's it's a good thriller mystery. 
Cool. For me, this month, uh, February 1st, I just kicked off uh, kind of like my anime month. I actually... I. I felt like the only way to get me back into anime is to watch the stuff that I really loved and grew up with. So I started to go back and watch some of my favorite anime that I um, was watching around my high school days. So I started off with um, Vampire Hunter D, which is the 1985 one. Um, But more importantly, uh, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, which in my opinion is a perfect sequel. It's like the Terminator 2 of anime films. Uh, it takes everything that the original does and explores the lore further, the character further, the world further. It just builds on top of what the foundation was and just amplifies it to 11. The animation is fantastic. The action is fantastic. It's like a perfect animated film for me. And every time I watch it, I get chills. I actually yell during certain parts because I get so fucking jacked i love it so much it's one of my favorites um and then i moved on to um one i haven't seen since i was in high school and i wanted to revisit it i started re-watching helsing uh the original run not the helsing ultimate which is apparently uh more faithful to the manga adaptation the helsing original run is like 26 episodes i think or maybe 30 but it's uh released in 2003 and that's when i watched it It, it's been that long since i've watched it but i i used to own the dvds and i just wanted to have a month of nostalgic anime thrown at me and i watched the cowboy bebop film which is another great fucking movie one of the best intros to any anime it's it's great so um yeah that's what i've been doing but today ruminations of red rum army arawar soldiers You're joining us for an episode where we take a look back into 1997. Was it a good year? Was it a great year? Or was it kind of a dud for horror? We're going to break it down. We each have our own individual rankings. What we did is we went to Letterboxd, and we looked at 1997 horror genre, and we... filtered it by film popularity and we took the top eight films for film popularity on letterbox we watched all eight films spanning two weeks and now we will break them down we each gave our ranking which we'll go over but then we took the average and made an official ruminations of red room ranking basically how that worked is we took so for my individual ranking for example my number one rated film would get eight points my number eight rated film would get one point and everything in between would be you know um divided out and we added all of our numbers up and we have an official ranking so let's just get right into it mitch take us back nineteen ninety seven we're going to start with the Ruminations of Red Room, number eight film, which is... It's obvious. It, so the number eight film has earned nine points total from the three of us. And it is the film, I Know What You Did Last Summer, is Thank the number God. eight film. Now, I gave it number eight on my list. Ian also gave it eight on his list. And Brendan gave it two on his list. Yeah. So, that being said, with Brendan giving it a two, how about you start us off with this conversation, Brendan? It's your number two. Talk to us about it. Uh, Well, first of all, it was the second most entertaining film for me on this list. It has spanned one good sequel, one god-awful direct-to-video sequel. Uh, I really... uh, Kevin Williamson was really in his prime uh, I would say in the the mid '90s, because this came, you know, right on the heels of Scream, uh, and it was obviously, um, as we'll talk about, it released the same year as Scream Two. Um, I like the idea of a bloodless slasher movie. Um, there's very little blood in this movie, and I think that that's kind of what elevates it to that. And I, I obviously not psychological horror, but it it uh, kind of like Alfred Hitchcock said where. Um, it's scarier to make the audience imagine what's happening. So the kind of the restraint that they show within this film, I think kind of really speaks highly of uh, Kevin Williamson as a writer. Um, That being, there's a couple bad red herrings, like the whole Billy Blue thing is beyond fucking pointless. Um, But yeah, overall, uh, am am I also giving you my out of five yeah, star rating on this. 
Um, I wasn't prepared for any oh, of the okay. rankings. So no, okay. I don't think that we should rate them because honestly, if we plan to cover these films in more depth later, I'd rather rank them there. Okay. So yeah, we'll just keep our listing right now. All right. Um, do you have anything else uh, you want to say? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I, and obviously we all know the, the infamous scene that spawned from this of Jennifer Love Huge Tits doing the spin. Around. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys know this, but that scene, uh, a child, an eight-year-old child won a contest and directed that scene. No way. Yeah, I swear, I swear to God. I swear to God. That scene was literally directed by an eight-year-old child, and it is the most oh, I believe you, Brendan. It is the most memorable scene from the movie. <laughs> wow. Ian, it is last on your list, number eight. Go ahead and talk to us about it. So usually I'm pretty understandable with 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 horror fans and what they like. Right? Like I I get it. I can get it. I can understand it. This one, he gets I, I don't get. I do not like this film. I hate the acting. No offense to these actors, because they're actually pretty decent in other roles. Great cast, honestly. It, amazing it's a, cast. It's, a, it's an amazing cast, yeah. Um, but, God, this, it's just bad. It's a bad teen, teen horror drama. It's... I. I do not find any uh, enjoyment out of it, um, except for it being hilariously bad. Um, but uh, I feel like if I watch this with someone, I I could enjoy it in in some capacity. But watching it alone for the second time, it's uh, it I just it was a no for me. It was a not for me, dog. It also falls at number eight on my list. I feel like, so I haven't seen this movie probably in over 15 years. Like I was pretty young when I watched this movie and I never watched it. I, I may have seen it two or three times in my life, but it's, it's been a very long time. And I think in my mind's eye, I've always held this movie high because the community did, the horror community did. Like it always just in my mind was like, oh, it's a 90s teen slasher with this great, amazing cast. Like, yeah, it, it was like I, like, I really liked it, right? Like, I really liked it. And then I went back and watched it, and I, I, gotta, I gotta go with Ian on this one. It just is a really bad movie. Like, I didn't enjoy the, the pace of the film. I thought that most of the red herrings were kind of, to your point, kind of dumb. And uh, it just it just didn't hold my interest. Coming off the, like, the heels of, like, Scream, and even Scream 2, which we'll talk about, I just feel like that this is, like, so so less effective and so less impactful than like the community really holds it up to be. Um, again, you know, this is all of our personal list. Actually, before we get into anything further, that's what we'll cap it off with. I know what you did last summer, but um, let's just go over a brief discussion real quick before we continue on how we ranked our list. Uh, Brendan, we'll start with you. Was it quality of films? Was it your nostalgia? Was it your just uh, how you liked the films? Was it a combination of everything? Uh, for most of them, with exception to I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, it's all based on my, and uh, I think I think that was the only one, um, based on my star rating of the movie. Okay. So based on your, your overall star rating. And you yeah. tend to um, rate your films on Letterboxd with how you feel, you've said before, rather than um, taking like a more critical approach, the right? quality of the film. Yeah, uh, I think one of the things that I've really grown with is being able to to level um, my my personal feeling with my critical analysis. And if I, I I think that if I don't like a movie critically, I'm not going to, for the most part, enjoy it. Um, but yeah, if that yeah, that makes sense. I'm in. I'm kind of the same way as as you on that. Um, Ian, how did you rank your list? Um, I threw ratings out the window. This is just a personal list for me. Um, I, there are some films that might be a four out of five on the bottom half of my list, um, that I just don't like as much as the others. So that's why I ranked it this way. Cool. Yeah. I also did something similar. I ranked my films purely on um nostalgia had a huge play in it 
but also um, just how I enjoy the films, like which ones I like the most. Because to Ian's point, there are certain films on the list, like the bottom end of the list, that will probably get at least a half star higher than some of the ones on the top. So um, cool. I'm, I'm glad we set the groundwork there. So let's move on to Red Room's number seven, which scored an 11 points total from all three of us. That film is Event Horizon at number seven now um, i had that high on my list uh, i think you had it i was the, the highest I highest think. yeah yeah you did you had it the highest um actually no ian you had it the highest at number four. Oh, okay. so go ahead and talk to us about it um yeah it's a it's a very entertaining film um i just I ranked it at, at my four spot because I feel that I got a lot more enjoyment out of the rest of the four behind it. Um, and you know what? It's it's pretty unique. Um, it's not really like I Know What You Did Last Summer um, and another film that are both like teen slashers. Um, so it's just a fun film. It's fun and dumb. So I gave it a four. Middle of the pact. I think I gave it like a seven on um, Letterbox, so or a seven out of ten on Letterbox. So it's it's about a middle film. And Brendan, you had it a little higher at your number five. Talk to us about Event Horizon. Yes, um, it's it's okay. So obviously, like I said on our episode of it, which you should go check out. By the way, it's a good episode. Um, it's. Like Ian, you said it's it's a very entertaining movie. The uh, the set design is great uh, for the most part. The practical still really hold up, uh, and Sam Neill is a, a goddamn national treasure. Um, there's a lot worse space movies on this um, that are out there and on this list. That where if you wanted to pick a space movie from 1997. I recommend this one a billion times over the other garbage one we're going to talk about. Fair enough. This actually ranked at my number seven. So right above, I know what you did last summer for me. Uh, This film is fine for me. I'm not a fan of this director and the writing is all over the place in this film and it's super messy. I've seen this premise done so much better in other media and even better films that I just can't get behind the community's love for this film. I understand why they love it, but I just don't feel the same way. I think that not even the great cast that this movie has can propel this film higher in my mind. Like I don't think it saves it at all. Sam Neill is an amazing actor and I feel like that his character was generic as hell and thrown into a weird villain role at the very end that just didn't bring any kind of I don't know it just it it didn't do anything for me I don't understand why this movie is held in such high regard but I do get why people enjoy it there's a lot of cool stuff about it it's a space movie it's space movie it's fun yeah and the set designs are really cool yeah. To, to Brendan's point, it, it it's very visually pleasing. Like the movie yeah. looks fucking mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um. I just I All didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The sets are cool. The color palettes are awesome. Mm-hmm. I just I I couldn't be interested in anything that was happening in the film. I just didn't yeah. care. And um. Yeah. I just was kind of bummed though because I I did want to like this film, but just wasn't for me. So now we're going to move on to the number six film on the Ruminations of Red Rum list, which scored a total of 12 points, just one point higher than Event Horizon. And that is Alien Resurrection at number six. Now, Brendan, this was your number eight, your last one. Talk to me about it. Uh, Well, there's a an R word that I would like to use for this movie. Um, This was one of the dumbest fucking things I have ever watched in my life. It was not interesting. Ron Perlman, what the fuck are you doing? Like in it, not, not only that I, this, I, I don't have an issue when a film in a franchise completely changes the tone. I mean, look at 
Nightmare on Elm Street. They get funnier and funnier as they, they go along, and people still hold those in high regard. It's just, this doesn't, and again, I don't give a shit about, I don't like the Alien movies. I couldn't care less about them. But this completely changes the tone of the movies. It looks like a fucking music video. Um, it's visually unappealing. It's pretty damn boring. Um, and that stinger that they have at the end with the um, uh, with the Xenohuman morph, whatever you want to call it, just fucking jump the shark. Just get out of here. All right. Uh, Ian, Ghost of Ian, two E's. This was the number one film on your list. Jesus Christ. So, Ian, talk to me about Alien Resurrection. Yeah, so I'm going to have to go polar opposite to Brennan on this one. Um, I am a massive, massive Alien fan, Alien franchise fan. Even the ones that I don't like, there's really only one that I don't like, and it's the um, number three, Alien 3. Um, but That's the true. rest really great really enjoyable i love the practicals in this they all look really great um it's a super fun film and it could have been worse it definitely could have been worse i feel like this film it did take a turn for the times of what it was right as it was a 90s film but it didn't go it didn't go as 90s as it could have I think they stick they stuck with the roots of going practicals for the most part and they look really great um and it's coming from like someone who doesn't like the third movie and then going into the fourth where it kind of redeems itself in some sort of way. Um, I don't know. I just love this film. I love Ron Perlman in this role. He, every, anything he says is gold to me. Um, it's super cheesy, super misogynistic and dumb and <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like he's, it's just so good to me. I don't know. Um, and I love the, the way the Xenomorphs look in this film. And I love the uh, um, everything about it. I love this film. It's definitely not as bad as people say it is. Um, but I, that's coming from someone who's super biased and loves the, the franchise. So, um, yeah, I just love this film. I love all the characters. I love um, everything. And the misogyny. And misogyny. So this was number six on my list, scoring three points. So right now we're just going up my list. I'm kind of uh, <laughs> right now with the same as ROR. So this was number six on my list. Uh, this is the first time I've ever seen the film. My first viewing of Alien Resurrection. Same, same. Um, I am not a huge Alien fan, but I do like the lore. Um, I'm in Aliens and Predators. I've played the games. I've read some comics. I've followed the films for a while, but I, I never saw this one for some for one reason or another. But I went into this movie with a super pessimistic attitude, thinking that it was going to be fucking hot garbage. And it was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I do feel the fatigue of the franchise in this film. Like, to me, this film feels like what maybe a lot of us felt with Halloween ends and Halloween kills. I feel like the hardcore alien fans that were watching it in the nineties from the seventies were going, Oh, this is getting so fucking stupid now. Like I could feel that the hardcore alien fans were probably feeling that way when this movie came out. But with us being so detached from that timeline and being older and watching this separate from that, it, I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it until the end. The end got a little fucking stupid for me with her like being the baby and the baby alien looked really bad to me, looked really dumb. <laughs> it looks so, it looks so, <laughs> so bad. I love it. Um, but the action was actually pretty cool and I dug the way the aliens look as well. Um, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. And I actually thought this movie was going to be more towards the bottom. I thought I was going to hate this movie more than Event Horizon, and I didn't, which was surprising to me. But Alien Resurrection, um, if anything, it sparked my fire to want to go back and watch the other Alien films. So. Hell yeah. I do want to say that the whole uh, underwater sequence and then like anything after that is just really great action, really fun. I, I actually like the whole underwater sequence. I thought yeah. that whole sequence was actually the, probably the strongest part of the movie. Yeah. And dude, when they're climbing up the ladders and like, Oh my God, it's so nineties action. And I, I love think it. it, it could have gone full like comedy and full dumb, but it had, it had, it stuck to its roots of being a horror film. 
And I yeah. think I think it has some good horror moments as well. I do too. I do too. What about what um, about that uh that ripoff uh escape from LA basketball shot? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's probably the worst part of the film. Something about basketball in the nineties, man. I don't know what it was. Nineties kids love their basketball. Love basketball. It's true. We all had fucking, uh, fucking the Bulls jerseys on, even though we weren't from Chicago and all that kind of shit. Um, but anyway, we're moving on to our tiebreaker. This is four and five, so we're going to talk about two films separately. But we'll start with. Funny Games, which scored a 13 points on our list. So this is either going to be our four or five. We're not going to rank it yet. We'll talk about the film first. Now, Funny Games was ranked the highest with Brendan at number three. So Brendan, talk to us about Funny Games. Uh, Initially number two. Initially number two. Uh, This is the one that I switched out last minute. Um... This is a brilliant, brilliant movie. Um, everything about it, uh, Michael Haneke has always kind of had this, uh, I think this, uh, he has a very spectacular body of work, even if the films that I don't necessarily care about, um, huge uh, award winners and award contenders. Um, I just think for what he tried to do with that, with the overall meta-ness, of like he was kind of uh with scream he was kind of spearheading the idea of meta horror getting uh uh big uh, exposure um i this film is very difficult to watch i think um because it is very uh, chaotic and it's very uh psychologically brutal um ian i know you said that you didn't want to watch this movie more than once and mm-hmm. This is the third time I have watched it, and I don't know if I could watch it again. Yeah. It's, it's a hard watch. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very much so. Ian, you put Funny Games at number seven. Yeah. Talk so I, this is one where, rating-wise, it would be like a... I, I would probably give it, and I probably am going to give it a four out of five. It's incredibly made. It's almost too well made. Um where it's 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 almost it i just don't want to watch it it's not enjoyable it's pretty disturbing um and yeah i just it's a fantastic fantastic made film uh i mimic everything brennan said but it's it's a very hard watch and this is my second time watching it and i will i hope i have to never watch it ever (laughs) (laughs) this was number four on my list and I mimic everything you guys said. It's a hard watch. Um, it's a really well-made movie. Some of the shots in it are so disturbing. And even some overstay their welcome in such yes. the right ways. Oh my God. Like after the boy gets shot and the mom's sitting there in silence. Um, they re- like The director really wanted your emotions to sink in in certain moments. And it's just really well-crafted. And... I love the breaking of the fourth wall stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's done um, in a way that's not like overdoing it. Like it's not like it's not like beating you over the head like Deadpool does, but like it's just very quick moments. And I, it's just a really smart film. I just like it. It's like, and I love the soundtrack. Yeah. The soundtrack is awesome the soundtrack is good. and amazing. And the ending is great. Like the ending is great. The ending is like what I look for in a horror film ending. Like it's, it's just a really good film. And I, I think this film is more disturbing than a Serbian film. I would agree. Yeah, no, I agree with that as well. And, uh, I've seen the remake before this, but this was my first viewing of the original. So first viewing, I loved it. Um, if and there's the remake's a physical, good too. yeah, a, a remake, it's, it's basically it's a, shot. It's, for it's shot. almost, I was gonna say it's almost a shot for shot. Yeah. yeah. I do think that the acting is much better in the original. Yeah, because the as fucked up as this sounds, having you know the the accent that they have, it adds like a whole other layer of sinister to it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that sounds kind of racist. <laughs> that's but... fucked up. 
Um, <clears throat> to me, it just seemed like uh, Naomi Watson. Uh, what's that other dude's name? Tim Roth. Tim Roth. I feel like they were just they were just acting as if like I they were in a play. Almost. I didn't buy him as a this couple. role's already been done before, so they were just trying to act like that other person. I think what maybe Brendan was trying to say. No, I think I think he got his point across. Is is when you're watching a film where you don't understand the language, you're way more invested of the emotions that the people are making on their faces and the acting involved because we we can't go off of people's what they're saying. So we have the, to just yeah, the take everything. And- yeah, take what they're doing at face value. And um I think that's what Brendan was trying to say. Yes. Yeah, he wasn't uh, sliding on German people. They're Austrian. So I'm just going to put that at number four. And the reason why, we're not going to have a debate about it. And I, and here's the reason why. And you guys could agree with me or not. And then if so, we'll have a discussion. But I think we're going to put that at number four because um, two of us put that in our four or higher on the list. And so it outweighs the ranking of the other one, which got a lot lower rating from somebody else. You know, so, I'm I'm fine with it being number four. Four. So we're gonna go back it's to deserving. five. We're gonna go back to five now. So that's our number four. Anaconda. Our number, our number five right. was also earned thirteen points. Is Anaconda? Yeah. And uh, let's see. We'll go ahead and start with. I'll go first if you want. We'll start with Brendan at number seven on his list, second from the bottom. Talk to me. Uh, so, uh, another movie that I kind of grew up watching at least once th- once a month on the Sci Fi Channel. Um, it's fine. I just think that there's many, 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 many other uh, swamp creature features out there that are a lot better, that look better, that are acted better, that I find more entertaining. Um, and uh, I. Th- I guess I think I brought this up on Event Horizon. It's just the the uh, CGI in this seems very very lazy, um, and I think it looks like shit. Fair enough. Kyle's well, gonna have this pretty high then. Go listen to our Anaconda episode. It is actually live, and uh, we had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I can't speak. Yeah, it's a great episode. I can't speak for them, but I had a lot of fun on that episode. Ian, you had it at your number six. That's Talk a surprise. Yeah, I hate that I have it so low, to be honest. And I don't even know why I put it on number six. I do like this film quite a bit, but it's I I think I ranked it. I tried. I I wanted to put it higher, but I did, just didn't want nostalgia to get in the way of my ranking. So I put it on a number number six. It's not too high, but it's 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 pretty low. And I I think if I would um. I would swap my five and six if I were looking at it right now. Um, but yeah, I love the film. I love the cast. J-Lo and uh, not L Cool J, Ice Cube. You do that every time. <laughs> now who's the one sounding racist? They're great actors. Both great right. actors. Both great actors. Um, and they're both rappers. There's nothing else that they have in common. Um, not a single <laughs> Not a single thing. Um... But yeah, it's a great film. I love uh, 90s creature features, um, and this is a great one. Um, I think that I would put um, Deep Blue Sea higher in my in my uh, creature features, 90s creature features, but I think this is definitely top three. It has to be. Fair enough. I place this film at number one. This yeah. is my number one film, Anaconda. A lot of it's nostalgia, but... When I look back at the 90s, there's, there's certain films that define my childhood by year. I mean, like, 96 is Scream, right? 97 is Anaconda. 99 is The Matrix. Uh, 96 is even Independence Day. Like, there's these big, like, tentpole films as a kid that I just loved and watched over and over and over and over again. And Anaconda to this day is so fun to me. I love creature features as well. This is my deep blue. Actually, deep blue sea is my deep blue sea. But this is <laughs> this, this is another one of those films where I just have a lot of nostalgia and love for. I think the cast is awesome. The movie is dumb in all the right ways to me. And I think the combat with the creature has like I, I, like I think they have really cool encounters. And 
I just think it's it's a a pivotal creature feature '90s film. I just love it. It's just I, it, it's just a lot of fun to me. I also want to say this is p- probably the best snake horror film. Right, it has to be right. I can't think of any others. So that is you number got snakes on a plane. You're gonna argue snakes on a plane. I've Get never seen here. that actually. I haven't either. Never seen it. But <laughs> that is number five <laughs> on our list. So number maybe, five, man, that, that kind of hurts hearing that. So and let's I go ahead. I put it on six, but <laughs> let's go ahead and recap. So we got number eight. I know what you did last summer. Number seven, Event Horizon. Number six, Alien Resurrection. Number five, Anaconda. Number four, Honey Games. Now we're getting into the big boys, guys. Now we're getting into the... So Brennan's number one hasn't been listed yet. But ours has. But, but ours has. Interesting. Because we love shitty films. <laughs> Brennan likes a good movie. <laughs> I, there's honestly one movie that I'm surprised hasn't been said yet. Hmm. So at the number three spot, and I think earning a total of 15 points... Oh, this has to be. ...is going to be Cure... Oh, I was wrong. I was so wrong. Insane, bro. Now, we'll go ahead and start off with Ian. Ian, you had the cure at number three. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I just love uh, my... I love two other films more than this. Um, It is a fantastic film. The the best... Probably the best made out of all of these films. Um, But for personal liking, um, I like it as my third. I like it as my third. If you want more about our opinion on this film, definitely go check out that episode. It's a great episode, I think. And um, yeah, I put it. I put it as my third. I think that's a. It's a good. It had to be top three. And uh, yeah, I wish it wasn't number four though. And I know what's above it, and I don't like it. Well, for the people that haven't listened to that episode yet, though, talk to us why you like it. Why is it in your top three for 1997? The pacing is amazing. The acting, um, masterclass acting for sure. It's, it's, um, I know it's very critically acclaimed, but it feels pretty underrated to like the North American cast, um, the North American audience, um, so I would definitely check that out. It's it's a fantastic film. The the cinematography, the directing, the pacing, the acting, everything. It's um it's a great film. A real thinker. If you like Satoshi Khan Satoshi Khan films, you would like The Cure. Or Cure, sorry. I also had it as at my number three as well. Um, for the same reasons Ian kind of went over. I just I'm really into crime dramas, and uh, to me, this is a very Kyle movie as far as the pacing and the story. I I really like the strength of not only the antagonist, but the protagonist. I thought they went really well together. They were a good pairing. When they were on screen, I didn't know who to root for. I was very invested in both characters, and um, I really liked just the acting, like Ian was, was saying. I think that everybody, even down to the sub-characters, had really good deliveries, and um, I see why this is a Criterion film. It's very well shot. Um, it's very well paced. I like Pulse more, I think, but um, this is definitely one I'm adding to my collection. And what's really crazy is me growing up as a 90s kid and having so much uh, nostalgia for all these uh, other films from 1997. It was nice to see that this movie that I've only seen once from just a couple weeks ago, has broken the ranks into my top three, which says a lot uh, mm-hmm. of how much I actually enjoy the film and how much I actually like it. So shout out to Cure. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, it's a good flick. And we're going to end it with Brendan. He put it at number six on his list. Brendan, talk about Cure. Uh, some people might call this a thinker. I call it a stinker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Hell kidding. Yeah. Um, it, it, this is not a bad movie by by any stretch, but I just found it incredibly boring, and it was very muddy. Uh, it, like if you go back and listen to our episode, not a single one of us could nail down what the movie was actually saying. Um, we all three of us had different ideas of what we thought the, the the main character was, or what kind of antagonist he was, and 
sure, some people could try and some people could not try. Some people will make an argument that that's what makes it brilliant. And that's why um, a lot of people hold it in such high regard. I just find it very um, and I I don't want to say lazy because the movie looks good. There's nothing lazy about it. I just feel like uh, the writing for me left a lot to be desired for. And it was so intent intentionally and unintentionally vague at different aspects that um just because it was visually interesting to me uh the 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 script did not make up for it or the being as visually interesting as it was did not make up for how shoddy i think the script was and this is ranked third right this is number three okay okay i thought it was number four for some reason no, this is number three. Okay, I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Moving on to number two on our list. This was a very close call between the two, uh, but this one earned a total of sixteen points. Quite a bit. Number two goes to Scream Two. Scream Two. Uh, I don't know how number one is up so high number one oh jesus christ that's that's what that's what i said earlier when i said i'm actually really surprised what's number one i was like i wasn't expecting it to be number one oh my god we're not talking about number one yet we're talking about number two with 16 Mm -hmm. points and that is scream two ian we're gonna throw it over to you ian you gave scream two number five on your list talk to us about scream two and if i could i put it at number six um this movie is pretty generic um it fall it like obviously it's a commenting on sequels horror sequels as a genre and we all know that but it's um i don't know watching it in 2023 i did not enjoy it as much as i did the first time when i watched all the um the streams in in a row but yeah it's i just it's okay it's an okay teen horror film that's really all i have to say about it i know you guys like scream a lot more than i do it's kind of like my relationship with scream as brennan's relationship with the alien franchise i just don't care for it fair enough i also had it at my number five um same ranking as ian um this movie had a had huge shoes to fill honestly um it could have been a lot worse than what scream 2 was and i remember liking scream 2 a lot more hashtag song theaters i remember (laughs) liking scream 2 a lot more back when i was younger but watching the film now it does seem to me pretty run in the mill compared to scream 1 scream 1 almost feels like lightning in a bottle to me like it's just so perfect of a film that anything following up would be really hard to do. Um, it did have better kills, had great kills, actually, in Scream 2. Um, but it followed that typical, well, they're not in high school anymore, so where is it going to take place? College. And it was fine, but even the red herrings, like nothing really pointed at Billy's mom being the killer. I like how it it stayed true to, like, Sydney and that girl not being in the same scene, obviously, because then they would have known. But mm-hmm. there was really no lead to that. And it was just okay. And her hiring a serial killer off the internet to be the main killer wasn't like a great drive for me. But overall, I enjoy Scream 2. It's obviously, it's, it's in my top five for 1997. It'd probably be a lot higher than that if we were to like break down a list of even more films obviously but um based on these eight it's my number five brennan it is your number one talk to us about scream two uh this is my most enjoyable film on the list and it is also my highest rated on this list um so a a few things that i completely love about this um one is the whole symbolism of the Agamemnon thing where, you know, uh, Agamemnon, uh, Plato described as someone who, uh, Agamemnon to Plato literally is transcribed as to endure and someone who's worthy. Um, so I really like that whole, uh, symbolism of the play that they're putting on, um, and how that 
since uh, Neve Campbell's playing the lead character in that show, I like how that uh, juxtaposes with uh, her her role in this film. Um, and to take a step back about what I said about the cure, where um, people can make uh, people can make the argument that uh, it's intentionally vague for specific reasons. Um, I want to make the argument that uh, Kyle, there was uh, something specific that you said about this film that I wished I wrote down. Um, but I think that this film now to me is the, I'm, I'm word vomiting cause I'm trying to remember exactly what you said. Um, this is to me, it feels like a sequel. It feels less than the first one. And in hindsight, I think that's kind of the purpose of it because the majority of the times sequels really fall off for the, the second and specifically the second in the franchise falls off from the first film. So I think looking back on it, there's this idea of there's no way we can make a better movie than Scream 1. So let's do what all sequels do and try really hard. And even if we fail, we can kind of say that was the point. Do you think that was intentional though? Like, do you think Wes, well, hold on. Do you think Wes Craven really looked at Scream 1 and was like, I don't think I can make something better than that. (laughs) So, so let's like, do you think that was his mindset going into it? Because I think he was probably trying to make a film worthy to be a, you know, a successor to Scream 1. I, I, no, no, yeah, no, I, I do not think that he was looking at this film this, that way, but I think now he and and film critics and film scholars can look at it and say if you think about it this is the perfect meta sequel because it is not as good as the first one it was try i think he was trying to be better to you know the kills were bigger the blood the blood flowed more um but i think that what makes this a successful sequel is that it failed to live up to the first one so if this was in real life and those college kids post-1997, so let's say this takes place in 1999, and those kids were having the discussion on sequels that were, that were better than the original. They talk about Terminator 2, amongst others. Do Godfather you think Scream 2. 2 would... Godfather 2? Do you think Scream 2 would be in the, the, the rotation of discussion? I think it could be brought up. Because I, I think you can... I think if I really wanted to, I could possibly make an argument about how I think this is better than scream one in certain ways and that the that straw man argument that i'm making about in hindsight how this is a successful sequel because it's not as good as the first one i think that that kind of by how i'm looking at it makes it a better film than scream one which which i it feels like heresy for me to say honestly i will say that the opening scene is fantastic i think it's better than the first one honestly it's great. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle does not agree. But, uh, you know, Willis, or not Willis Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, huge actress at the time. Yeah. And huge in the scene, like, especially in the 90s. So that was not, not only her stature, but like her, her and her status, but like the whole scene itself. It's, I think it's, it's great. Although not having her be the first kill, though, does kind of sit with me the wrong way. Yeah. Because you're like, she, she, it, but you're also not. Yeah, she should have been the first kill. Yeah. When I popped in the 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 Blu-ray, she was on the main like she's like prominent on the main mm-hmm. screen. Just and like I was, Drew. Why the fuck would they do that? Like she's in the movie for 15 minutes and then I was like, "Well, Drew Barrymore was in screen." So, like, <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, okay then." I'm like arguing against myself. But okay. Um I'm glad that ranked at your number 1, Brendan. Well, also Drew Barrymore is in the first kill in the in the first movie. True. So Drew Barrymore is not. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, her boyfriend is, uh, and it's her one, boyfriend, right? just like. Oh, oh, oh shit! Oh, shit! You know what? This is number zero on my list. On my list, zero. All right, I can't. Well, I can't believe what you're about to say. I good literally healthy, I'm so happy. Good healthy scream two discussion there. I'm glad we had it. Now we're moving on to Red Room's number one for 1997. Insane. At 19 points, it is going to be the 1997 film, obviously. The Devil's Advocate. We're going to start with... Let's start with you. I 
saw this film in theaters. My uncle took me to see it. I was way too young to watch this film in theaters in retrospect. I was only nine years old, almost 10. And my uncle John took me to see it. I remember it. Crazy thinking about that now. But when I was growing up, the scene where um, I forget the main actress's name that plays Ken Reeves' wife, Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. When she cuts her neck, it used to freak me the fuck out as a kid. Um, and also when their face would transform and morph. I think this film is really long, but it doesn't overstay its welcome until like the very end to me. When Al Pacino starts to get very preachy, no pun intended, towards the end, um, it just, it kind of, like, it's kind of like they're, they're pandering to us. Like, we, like, I get what's going on at this point, and you're, like, really trying to explain it and, like, spell it out, and it kind of drags on a little bit too long. And I know that they're going for Pacino's famous m- monologue. <laughs> He's great at doing that. I get that. But I, I think this film um, just shows a really cool... or It kind of explains a really cool message how... People just have inherently evil in them, and they will do evil things, and they will blame it on religion. They'll blame it on the devil, and it it really has nothing to do with that. You always have a choice. Everyone always has a choice, and it's up to you to own your mistakes, own your choices. And this is a good kind of um, – it's a good vi- visual kind of depiction how people will uh, use religion as a defense mechanism. And I just think that the movie's played out slow, but it's good. And I like the acting. I think that the uh, the cast is really great. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't throw the the hell demon references like really crazy at you. It doesn't go like balls to the walls with it. It keeps it more subtle and kind of just leaks it to you as they're finding out and they're going through the motions of the film and. Um, I think it's a well-made film as well. So this is actually placed at my number two on my list. Um, and I really enjoy it. And I'm actually kind of, uh, kind of surprised I don't own it. But um, moving on to Ian, it was also placed at your number two. Let's talk about it. Yeah, this is the first time I've sat down and watched the entire film. I've seen like snippets of it, not really important snippets, luckily. Um, but yeah it was it kind of blew me away it was it was i really enjoyed it i like i love the message um i love how they had uh the whole angels and demons scenario when they're playing um uh not lawyers attorneys that's that's perfect that's a perfect idea um to play literally play the devil's advocate and so having to like fight for the rights of like some of these people who are actually you know like have demons inside them that's it's um it's a fantastic idea i think this is a a great movie um i like the acting i like keanu reeves acting i think he does a pretty good job and i don't i like how it doesn't um have him like cheat on his wife it's it's you definitely see like um the influence there but he he stays strong and um it's uh, you really it makes you feel more for him at the end when his wife ultimately kills herself and um, he takes his own life at the end. That's uh, yeah, I think this is a, a great film and uh, deserving at number one. And Brendan, you had it at your number four. Talk to us about The Devil's Advocate. Uh, so the first time I watched this movie was with my girlfriend and her parents. Um, which was uh, not as awkward as nine years old with my uncle. Um, (laughs) uh, The movie's not terrible, but it is very much not good. Um, Keanu Reeves' southern accent is fucking abhorrent. Um, I know that now, for some reason, Keanu Reeves is held in such high regard because because of uh, he did a couple good John Wick movies. He's not that good of an actor. And he's kind of, whereas I think Nicolas Cage is a decent actor, and they're having, they're both having their respective resurgences. Um, Keanu Reeves is 
not a good actor. Al Pacino just fucking phones it in in this movie. Um, this this movie is the definition of Oscar bait with some of the cringiest Oscar Oscar worthy listeners. You can't see this. I'm putting that in quotes. Performances. Um, and also, my this movie's kind of offensive, really, if you think about it, because uh, this is kind of you know really because um, uh, Law and Order uh, started in the '90s, so this is kind of in that catalyst of of um, of uh, these these people can only do good. I mean, look at Law and, Law and Order. Every single episode, they catch the bad guy, and it's always you know the first or second person they find, and uh, whether you know. Uh, they think that the person that they're catching is the person they treat him like fucking garbage. This movie does such a bad uh, example, gives such a bad example for uh, criminal defense attorneys because we are only shown these criminal defenders defending t- obviously terrible people. And I think films like this and shows like Law and Order give uh, such a really bad rap to to the very necessary job of criminal defenders. Um, so I think in hindsight, this movie is very negative uh, for for the, the world that we live in. And I think that it has a very, it leaves a very bad legacy. I, I, I wasn't trying to make this political, but but I, I've been I've been stewing on this since I watched the movie. And the longer I sit with it, the more it really pisses me off. I think it's the reality of it. Because I mean, this happens way more than you think it does. No, and, and, and there there are people who are obviously guilty that hire the very best people that can get them off. Mm-hmm. But then you then you have the people who can't afford the people like Keanu Reeves, and you know they're they're automatically looked at as guilty even when they're innocent just because they can't afford someone like that. So um, it, it goes it, it really does go both ways. Well, what you're saying also kind of downplays the judicial system, and it's you're kind of you're kind of making it seem like that. You like if you don't get a good lawyer, then You're the fucked. right then, then well, you, the right outcome. Nah, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I, so, look, so you're saying at, these people don't look at facts or they don't look at um like the actual evidence of the case. You think if someone's yeah, just a smooth like a smooth talking, jury. yeah, like if you think it's just a smooth talking guy, then he'll win no matter what. No, no, no. By by any means, no. But if you can, if you can't afford a lawyer, and you get a public defender who's working ninety five other cases and is barely making fucking minimum wage, and you're up against a DA who just wants to get this fucking case closed and will do whatever they can to get it closed, you're fucked. You're fucked. I mean, you've you've been watching uh, Iwu, so I mean, we kind of see uh, how this is handled by the people who have committed these crimes. You know. Um, even, uh, a lot of these people don't ask for lawyers because while they know that they're in their rights, even if they're innocent, they're like, well, I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. So I'm just going to answer all these questions. And then little did you know, you had for some reason, some piece of information that maybe could have only been, um, known if you were either on the scene or you witnessed it. And then you're completely fucked because you already told the cops the one thing they wanted to hear. It's a weird gripe. But so it, it, it is in a different direction. It is. So I, I know. I know. <laughs> the movie. Um, the the first guy he defends, obviously, piece of shit, and deserves like to run hell. And Did you call him a hog beast? Yeah, like the whole motions he was making, that was absolutely d- disgusting. Um, who, who is that actor? By the way, I've seen him in other things. I just can't. Remember. Um, uh, is, he uh, he's 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 on uh, he's on True Blood. Um, he was oh, on the yes. wi- he was on the wire. True Blood. That's what I yeah. know him from. He, and usually, I mean, plus, he usually plays a shit stain. Plus, yes. go with the the theme of the film. The only reason why he was really good at his job is because he was the devil's son. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but there is people out there, obviously. And he wasn't really an expensive lawyer. I mean, he was a pretty cheap well. He became an expensive order. lawyer. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. But okay. Fair enough. Well. That is our list. So we'll just recap real quick. Number eight is I Know What You Did Last Summer. Number seven is Event Horizon. Number six is Alien Resurrection. Number five is Anaconda. Number four is Funny Games. Number three is Cure. Number two is Scream 2. And number one is The Devil's Advocate. Ian, we're going to start with you. Was this a good year or great year for horror? Um, this list has some stinkers. 
I think just one or two, one for sure. Um, but if it has, if it has at least one stinker or one or two, I think you can't classify it as a great year. I would have to say it is a good year. It has some great films at the top three are, well, maybe not the, the top three of our whole list, but, um, the average list, but, um, I think it has, Definitely has has a top three great films um, from this year, uh, even a top four. Um, I think it, it's a good year. It's a really good year. So good year, great year. Good. Cool. Brennan, we're going to throw it over to you. 1997, was it a good year or great year for horror? Or was it a dud? So this might be a very cop-out answer. Um, it's only three. I've- I think no, no, no. My response is going to be a cop out because I'm going to say great year mainly for the fact that I've been ruminating on this question. I've I've very much been ruminating on it. Um, I don't think again, this is just my personal bias. I don't think I'm within the right to say if any year was a stinker or if it was a good year or a great year because i think that any year that we get horror movies is a great year no because no no fuck you because listen (laughs) horror movies horror is the genre that all of us love the most sure and whenever we can get an output of that genre, I think that's great. So whether I personally love the movies or not, just as long as we're getting new movies coming out, whether they're sequels, whether they're IPs, whether they're reboots, I'm just happy that people care enough about the genre to funnel money into it. And I will, um, even if that if, if that means we get one Sharknado movie for an entire year, and that's the only horror movie that comes out, I'll fucking take it. But you gotta think in hindsight, like we're gonna cover other years. So I know, and they're all great years. They're all great years, except 1967. Okay, so <laughs> Brennan, Brennan. Yeah. So we got a good year from Ian. We got a great year from Brennan, which means we're going to move on to me. But before we do, just to clarify, Alien Resurrections is a great movie to Brennan. But we're going to go over to nope. me first. Nope. Um, you just said it was because it's all right. Everybody enjoys it. It doesn't matter if it's sequels. Or, you know, it's it's a great... I'm just kidding, Brandon. Um, so we're going to move over to me. Uh, I think this was a good year for horror. Um, I think it had a very strong sequel to a movie where it could have been really easy to mess up. It had a lot of cool different varieties of the genre. It had slashers. It had psychological drama. It had religious horror. It had uh, creature features. I think it had a very wide range of uh, horror genres in the mix. And... Though it had variety, I don't think the entire variety was very like extra strong, but I think it was all good. So I'm going to give good year for 1997. I mean, if Devil's Advocate is the top movie for this list, I mean... What does that mean? What does that mean? Is it a great film? It's a, I would say it's a good film. It's, it's, a, it's a good film. It's good. It's good. So good outweighs the great in this scenario. So 1997 is a good year for horror. How do you guys feel? Good. No, I feel yeah. great. I think it's a it's a good outcome. This has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum. The millennial Zoomer baby episode of the Ruminations Radio Network. Please join us on Twitter. That's of Red Room, OF Red Room, if you want to follow us there and see our posts. We usually just post our episodes. Uh, if you want to join our Discord, uh, the link to join our Discord is in the bio of our Twitter. That being said, I'm your host, Kyle, with a K. And joining me, we have Ian, the ghost of Ian. I think Michael would have liked Alien Resurrection. And I. I'll go even further and say that he's he's kind of pissed off that Ron Perlman didn't get an Oscar or any kind of you know recognition. How old is Michael? How old was he in 1997? That's the real. Oh, question. he's got to be like. I feel like he graduated high school in 97. No. No, no, he's younger. Yeah, no. If he's Dylan's dad, like he's got to be older for sure. Oh, I mean, allegedly Dylan's dad. We, we don't know for sure. Did you you didn't confirm? On the- I didn't confirm. I didn't confirm. Also joining us, we have Brendan, Mr. Fantastic. Hail Ratma. 
stay spooky people